0: Welcome to the Preaching Ministry Podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're going to just walk through the first couple of chapters of the book of Luke as we consider Christmas season. And this morning we will find a story of two folks that walked through a time of great difficulty. And they came out on the other side of it. And so this morning I want to preach on this subject. Joy overcomes despair. Joy overcomes despair from Luke chapter Now, we're all aware that at this time of year, many folks find the Christmas season a difficult time. There's maybe a sense of loneliness that comes at this time of year in a greater way than at any other time. Christmas for many is sometimes painful. And some of those memories resurface that are difficult for you to deal with. Grief sometimes during this season comes in a greater way than at any other time. But the Lord Jesus would desire that you have joy in the midst of your hurt and and, and in the midst of your despair. And so this morning as we come to our scripture, we're gonna meet this couple that's going through a time of difficulty. But we're also gonna see that they enjoy a time of delight. Because in the midst of their heartaches, they turn to the right place for the answer. Many people are searching endlessly for joy. And our search leads us to a lot of different places. And what I wanna say to the saved believer today is that Jesus is not your source of joy. Jesus is your joy. Jesus Christ, who is our joy, lives in and through us, and we must then just appropriate what we already have. See, if you've been saved by God's grace, you, you the fruits of the Spirit ought to be uh, uh, evident in your life and you should have joy unspeakable the, sp- the scripture says and so even in the midst of darkness and despair and difficulty we must realize and look to the one who is our joy who is Jesus because it is he that overcomes despair now Dr. Luke is going to share with us this morning he's not one of the 12 apostles he was a travel companion of Paul not a Jew he was a Gentile physician. But Luke provides more detail on the life of Jesus than any other gospel. Luke also provides more miracles than any other gospel does and we're gonna see one of those miracles this morning. So we, let's stand to our feet this morning and begin reading in Luke chapter one as we consider joy overcomes despair. We could say it this way, where are you looking for your joy. Let's begin reading in Luke chapter one. If you're in verse five, would you say amen? amen? There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abii. and His wife was of the daughter of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child. Because that Elizabeth was barren. This is this is their dilemma. This is their burden that they're carrying. Elizabeth was barren. They were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Could you imagine Zachariah, the priest, he goes into the altar of incense, he's burning incense, and it is that smoke is billowing out of the temple. The people on the outside are seeing that smoke, and they know that the prayers of uh, Zachariah are being heard for, on behalf of their sins. And Zechariah is standing in there and he looks over and there's an angel. Now I don't know about you. But when he saw him, he was troubled. I bet he was. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Now if you underline in your Bible... Highlight in your Bible, verse 13 right there, for thy prayer is heard. That'd be a good one to underline. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, He shall go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. We know this is the forerunner. This is John the Baptist who Malachi said would come. He's about six months older than Jesus. And this is John the Baptist who will step on the scene. And in this story, we discover joy overcomes despair. Heavenly Father, we pray now as we walk through this passage of Scripture together, the Lord, you would speak to us again. I pray for that touch that turns a mere mortal man into a messenger of the Almighty. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I read about this art dealer by the name of Forrest Finn. Forrest Finn was a multimillionaire and several years ago, he published some of his memoirs. And in his memoirs he included a poem that he had written. And in this poem he claims to have buried a box of gold and jewelry that some estimated to be worth at least two million dollars. And he buried this box of gold and jewels somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. He gave some clues in this poem that he had written but he never gave the exact location of this box. His words were a bit elusive when it came to where that box might be located. He only said this about the box, that it was somewhere between Santa Fe and the Canadian border, and it was at about 5,000 feet. He also revealed that the box was not in a mine, it was not in a graveyard, and it was not near any structure. As you can imagine, people that began to read Mr. Finn's memoirs and saw this poem thought they had discovered something that maybe somebody else didn't. So they began searching for this box of Mr. Finn's. And they searched high and low trying to find this box of treasure, if you will. We've discovered that many people have been injured. Others have died while looking for this box. A few years ago, there was a fellow by the name of Jeff Murphy. He was hiking the Rocky Mountains and he disappeared. He ultimately fell down a chute over 500 feet to his death. In talking with his family, they discovered that Jeff Murphy was in the Rockies looking for Mr. Finn's treasure box. He was the fourth man to die searching for that treasure. And the truth of the matter is, is people are searching for something today that is more valuable than a $2 million box of gold and jewelry. People are searching for real friendship. They are searching for real love. They are searching for real peace and they are searching for real joy. And I wanna suggest to you today that as we walk through this thing that is called life, that search for joy is not an elusive search. These folks that were looking for this golden box, it was a bit elusive to them. But the search for joy is not an elusive search because it can be found, and it is found in none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. So today, you came searching for joy, I got a treasure map for you. It's called the B-I-B-L-E, and it'll point you to J-E-S-U-S, who is the savior of the world, who will be your J-O-Y, your joy. So as we walk through this text this morning, I want us to notice at least four quick things. Number one, I want you to see the darkness of the culture. The darkness of the culture. Now Luke introduces us to this couple. Their names are Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're folks just like we are that have a bit of a dilemma. But I don't want us to skip over what Luke tells us in that first part of chapter one in verse five, where he says, there was in the days of Herod, now, we've got to ask ourselves a question. What were the days of Herod like? Well, here's what you'll discover about Herod. Herod was a guy that was a paranoid, crazy person. And when I tell you he was a paranoid, crazy person, here's what Herod would do. Even in his own family, if he thought some of his family was going to plot against him, and somehow they were going to uh thwart his power or something. He would just have his own family members killed. I mean, this guy was crazy. He was an absolute paranoid man and was an evil, evil man. However, he did, he did construct the temple in that day. But at the same time that he constructed the temple for the Jews to worship in, he constructed a bunch of pagan temples for all the pagans to worship in. Now, why would Herod do something like that? Because Herod wanted to be liked by everybody. He didn't need any trouble in town, so he just thought he'd build temples for everybody. If you want to be a pagan, you just be a pagan. If you want to be a Jew, you be a Jew. Here's the kind of things that Herod would say in a culture that's gone crazy and in a culture of darkness in which he lived. He he, he would say things like this. You know, here in Judea, we draw circles, not lines. Because we just want everybody get in. Here in Judea, we want everybody to know what we're for, not what we're against. You say, well, that kind of talk makes me sick. Well, that's about what even modern evangelical day talk is because we've convinced ourselves everybody's in and we just all going to have a love fest and we all going to go to heaven. But the truth is that just ain't true. The truth is, is that There ought to come a time in the life of a believer when we stand up and say, sin is what sin is, wrong is wrong, and in a culture that's gone crazy, and I don't have to tell you how crazy this culture has gone, do I not? I mean, we'll get out a little bit early if I don't have to tell you that. I mean, we know this culture's gone crazy. Go home and turn the news on. You can watch any of them. And you know when you turn it off, what you'll do? First, you'll need to take a depression pill, and then you'll understand these people... In this country have gone crazy. Do I need to preach about that or do y'all believe that? I mean, that's the truth, isn't it? Everybody seems to be in a place of anger. And in the days of Herod, we're not that dissimilar. And against The backdrop of a dark culture steps on the scene where Luke introduces us to these two people called Zechariah and Elizabeth. So what do we know about them? Let's look at it, verse six. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commands and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Now I gotta be honest with you. If my name was to show up in the Bible somewhere And if your name was to show up in the Bible somewhere, what would the sentence about you say? Would it say something like this? They were righteous before God, walking in the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. That's a pretty powerful statement about somebody. And this isn't their friends that are talking about them. This, this is not their co-workers that are saying, yeah, he's a high character fella. Uh, uh, she's, a, she's a really moral person. This is not their friends and family and co-workers talking about them. This is Luke being inspired by the Holy Ghost of God saying that these two are righteous. They are walking in the commandments and the ordinances of God and they are blameless. Now, they are not sinless. However, they take their walk with Jesus very, very seriously. And in a day and hour in which often we are laissez-faire about our walk with Jesus, it was a priority for Elizabeth and Zachariah. What an example they are to us today that in the midst of a dark, desperate, evil society, they just continue to walk with They were a couple that was devoted to the things of God. So we see, first of all, the darkness of the culture. Secondly, notice with me the difficulty for this couple. Verse seven tells us that they had some difficulty. The Bible says they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. They're both now well stricken in years. Now, I don't have to tell you this, but in that culture, when a woman could not have a child and when she was barren, it caused much despair and disappointment. She would have likely been judged by all the other people in the neighborhood saying she must be living in sin because she's unable to get pregnant. Now we know that when we go through difficult things, it is not always a result of our disobedience to God. The scripture talks to us about a man that was born blind and the disciples went to Jesus and said, who sinned that this man was born blind? Him or his parents? And Jesus said, nobody sinned, but this is for the glory of God. And so we must understand that every time we go through a time of difficulty in this life, it is not always because we have been disobedient to the Lord. It may be that God's doing something that is difficult for us to display his glory in us and we don't yet see it. That's exactly what's happening to Zachariah and Elizabeth. They didn't have a sin problem, and We just read about their character. They are a godly couple. But I can only imagine the hurt and the despair that Elizabeth dealt with. Tears rolling down her face as she desired so badly to have a child. Disappointment. Somebody define disappointment this way. It's the gap between what you expect and what you actually receive. And here's where they find themselves, in the midst of heartache. Here's a godly couple that find themselves in the midst of heartache. Now if you watch the television and you watch all these crazy name it and claim it preachers that would tell you that if you walk with God, you'll never have a difficult day. They never met Elizabeth and Zechariah. Because the truth is, real people who have a real walk with God often have real problems. And they dealt with great heartache. And the truth is, there's a point in that heartache that we all come to that you got to make a decision. Am I going to throw in the towel or am I going to keep going? In the Boston Marathon, between miles 13 and 19, at every mile there is a climb. At the 19th mile, that is the steepest climb of the entire race. Most marathon runners will say to you that between miles 18 and 19 is when, you could say it a lot of ways, maybe the monkey jumps on your back, man, and you can't go any further, or you've hit the proverbial wall. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you are, you, you, you are at that point where I either got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Now, I don't know anything about this. I want y'all to know that. I don't know anything about this. But I've read That those marathon, they have to make, there's a a time that they got to make a decision. Am I going to keep running or am I going to fall out here? And it's typically between the 18th and the 19th mile of a marathon. For the Boston Marathon, it's also the steepest climb of the entire race. They call that last hill Heartbreak Hill because that's the spot most people that don't make it fall out. In life, when we're dealing with times of difficulty, they'll come that time, heartbreak heal will be just ahead. And you're gonna have to decide, are you gonna let the joy of the Lord be your strength? Or are you gonna throw in the towel? Elizabeth and Zachariah decided they would not throw in the towel. There's the dark days in the culture, there, the difficulty for this couple, but notice the devotion. their devotion to the custom. See, they weren't gonna quit. Notice what Zechariah does in verse eight. It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense in the temple, and he went into the temple of the Lord. He's just doing what he's supposed to be doing. Instead of throwing the towel in and quitting, he just kept doing what he knew to do. Now, if you understand the priests in these days and the order of priests, you would see that there is a hand behind the headlines that is working in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life, and they don't yet know it. You see, in Judea, there would have been some 18,000 priests. 14 of those were given the opportunity and the privilege of offering incense during the course of a single year. So the vast majority of those 18,000 priests would have never had this opportunity. But in, as we read this story, in the midst of despair and difficulty, Zachariah is chosen to be the guy to offer the incense inside the temple. Now, how was that person chosen? Well, they weren't elected. It wasn't like the 18,000 got together and decided, yeah, we like Zachariah, we're gonna give it to him. Nope. They weren't chosen by the chief priests. Notice what it says. It was his lot to burn incense. They cast lots and it just so happened. And if you have followed my preaching at all, you know, I don't believe anything just so happens, but it just so happened that in the midst of difficulty, the lot to burn incense to go inside the temple just happened to fall on Zachariah. Now you think God don't know what you're dealing with. You think there's not a hand behind the headline that might be working when you don't even see it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You're always working. Listen, he's a way maker and he's, and he's working behind the scenes in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Even at this time, Zechariah has this once in a lifetime opportunity. Think what would have happened had he quit. Had he quit, he never goes here. Had he quit, he never has the opportunity to, to burn the incense and to have this conversation that he has with this angel. In the midst of their disappointment, man, they just stayed faithful. Notice what the angel says to him in verse 13. But when the angel said to him, fear not, Zechariah, by the way, did you see that angel called him by his name? He ain't forgot who you are. God knows exactly what you need. He knows right where you live and he knows how to answer in a way that is exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ever, ever ask. But listen to this, for thy prayer is heard. Now let me touch on something real quickly. We know how this story goes. Zacharias and Elizabeth conceive a child or Elizabeth conceives a child and she has a child named John the Baptist. So we know God answered her prayer. But we also know there are times that God, his answer is no. Or his answer is wait. And let me say this to you that are praying and it hasn't yet happened. It could be that God's working behind the scenes to bring to pass something you have no idea and he's gonna blow your mind with it. He's going to prove to you that he is Yahweh, he is God, he is Jehovah, and he is good. But if the answer is no, the answer will be for your protection or it'll be because he has something better for you. But in this particular scenario, they remained faithful and the answer God gave them was yes. Can you imagine how many times Zechariah and Elizabeth got down and began to pray and said, Lord, here we are again. You say, well, I don't see anywhere where they prayed. Well, if verse 13 says their prayer was heard, I have to then assume that they prayed. And Zechariah was a priest. He was a man of the word. He would have known about Sarah. He would have known about Rebecca. He would have known about Rachel. So, so, so he just kept on praying. So let me encourage you this morning that if, if God's not yet answered that prayer that you're praying, just keep on praying because at the end of Malachi, God went silent for five, for four hundred years. And then the first person we meet here is Zechariah. You know what the word, the name Zechariah means? God remembers. And so God hadn't forgotten where you are. He knows what your need is. And the answer to this prayer was some 400 years in the making. So let me ask you a question What is it you're praying for? What is it that when that subject comes up, there's hurt, there's disappointment, there's despair? There's great anxiety. What is it for you that when, when, when that subject comes up, whew, I want to encourage you to take a note from Elizabeth and Zacharias' life and just keep on keeping on. It's easy to quit. Anybody can quit. There's the darkness in the culture, the difficulty for this couple. There's a devotion to their custom. But notice with me in verse 14, there's the delight in their creator. Listen to what Luke says in verse 14. And thou shalt have what? Thou shalt have what? Joy and gladness. And many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Verse 17, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. You shall, you shall, you shall, you shall. And what we discover here is that joy overcame their despair. You might be here this morning and you're at Heartbreak heal. And this thing's gotten heavier than you ever imagined it would be and the holidays sometimes even causes it to be heavier. And today the question becomes, are you gonna continue to walk with him? And ask him to be your joy in the midst of all of what you're walking through? Or are you going to just throw the towel in? I've been around here long enough to know we got a bunch of saints around here that ain't throwing in the towel. We're going to continue to walk with Jesus. We're going to continue to watch Him work even if it's behind the scenes. But this morning, child of God, let me ask you a question. You're here this morning. You know you're saved. You know you're headed to heaven. Jesus lives in and through your life and you've got joy of the Lord, but Zachariah and Elizabeth would have also told you they had the joy of the Lord, but they were dealing with something that caused them some despair and some disappointment. So again, I ask you the question, what is it in your life that when it comes up, there's some pain there. There's some hurt there. Can I encourage you this morning to just find a spot in an altar? and say, Lord, in the midst of my despair and my disappointment, I want you to be my joy because, Lord, I know you're living your life in and through me, and you know in my flesh I do not want to walk through this time of darkness and difficulty, but, Lord, I pray you'd give me the strength that I need that is your joy to walk through this. could be you just need to find a spot in an altar and say, Lord, during the holidays, this is going to be tough, but I pray, God, that joy would overcome despair. And it could be that you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. You're you're not just in a desperate, desperate situation. You're not just in darkness, but according to the word of God, in Ephesians chapter two, you're dead. Spiritually, you're dead. And you need Jesus that went to the cross of Calvary to come and rescue your dead soul Quicken your dead spirit, make you alive in Christ so that you could experience joy unspeakable by knowing that you are headed to a place called heaven. Because the truth is, we all live in here. And it's one of two places that we'll spend eternity it's heaven or hell, and there is no in between. And the greatest joy you'll ever experience is Jesus. So, as we stand to our feet this morning, we're going to have a song of invitation. I wonder who would be join me in an altar and say, Lord, I know I'm saved, but Lord, there's a prayer need that I have today that sometimes causes me to despair, sometimes causes me to hurt, and Lord, I wanna just today give that to you and enjoy the joy that you have given me and understand, Lord, that you're at work whether I see your hand or not, you are working. That unseen hand is working. And just declare today that joy does overcome despair. And if you're unsaved here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. We've got pastors that'll be here across the front. You just come down, put your hand in one of those pastors' hands and make this statement, I need to be saved. We would love an opportunity to show you how you can leave today knowing heaven is your home. Heavenly Father, we pray now during this invitation, you would speak to hearts. May we do business with you, Heavenly Father, because the truth is, all of us have something that we're praying for. Lord, a great need that we have in our life. And I pray, God, we would not search for that answer anywhere other than in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Preaching Ministry Podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisga.cc.